0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you are listening to episode 234 and I'm talking with Alephine Tulia Mock. Alephine just won the Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta, and I'm so excited to have her back on. You heard from her just a couple episodes ago, as I had the opportunity to speak with her and her Hoka Ane Ane NAS Elite teammates, Kellen Taylor and Steph Bruce, just two days before the race. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. That was episode 229 on this podcast. And she was also on episode 165 of the podcast. So go back and take a listen to that as well. Since I had talked to Alphine the first time in episode 165, She had bettered her marathon PR. She had taken that from a 2.33 to a 2.26.50 in Rotterdam in 2019. After battling an injury, she went on then to run the New York City Marathon in 2.28, setting herself up for success in the buildup to the Olympic trials, where she had a fantastic race, and. I had so many questions about how the race played out, how she was feeling the morning of the race, and of course how she celebrated. I know you all are probably just as excited as I am for Alephine, and I just can't wait to share this conversation with you all. Before we get started talking with Alephine, I want to thank a sponsor for this episode. Sponsors are what make this podcast possible, and that sponsor today is Defunkify. Defunkify is a liquid laundry detergent that was originally formulated to get the stinky workout smell out of synthetic fibers that trap smells which is a common issue for runners think about your favorite stinky running shirt or sports bra not just for active wear though Defunkify has become a popular everyday detergent for removing funk from towels kids clothing and it's one of the highest performing detergents and safest detergents bio-based and scented with essential oils they crush odor Smell amazing and are proven safe, EPA Safer Choice certified. I use the odor sprays and the stain remover as well. I actually just got a bunch of stains off of my carpet in my bedroom, and I was so impressed with how well it worked. You all can save 25% off your first order with Defunkify when you go to defunkify.com and use the code Another again. 25% off. That's a great deal. Go to defunkify.com and use the code ANOTHER when you check out for 25% off your first order. Links to that will be in the show notes at lindseyhine.com. All right, everybody. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I've been having so much fun recording these post Olympic trials interviews. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Alafine Tuliamak. Alafine Tuliamak, welcome back to the show. Congratulations.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you.
0: How are you? Are you just exhausted?
1: I am not too tired, probably sleepy because I haven't get, been getting that much sleep. I've been getting excited about getting up and uh, crocheting because I have a lot of orders to fulfill. And um, I've been going to bed late. It seriously is like last summer when I was injured, except this time around. Thank God I'm healthy. But other than that, I am good, back to normal life. With a a few, um, you know, interviews doing here and there. So I have a little bit of cold. Maybe it's even allergies. I'm not very sure. So my, I don't know if you can tell that my my nose is a little bit stuffy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad this wasn't a week ago because that would not have been fun.
0: I wonder if part of the cold, though, is kind of like coming off of just all the festivities.
1: Probably. Yeah, because it was just like that day after the race, you know, like I think my immune system just came down like, who, you know, we'd been working very hard and it needed to be strong for me. And then now it was like, okay, it's time to, uh, you know, let all the adrenaline go and uh, let your body uh, recover.
0: Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, first of all, you're probably going to have to hire like some help for the beanies because how many orders do you have right now? <laughs> I have, I think,
1: close to 200. I think oh, I actually oh do. Yes. And uh, so what I have in hand right now is probably 20, getting uh, close to 30. I made uh, six beanies yesterday, and today I'm making my third one. So um, I I started making today at 7 a.m., uh, and by 10, I had to. So that was pretty good. Um, but then, you know, I thought about that, and, in fact, I was talking with uh, one of the ladies um, here. I said, you know, maybe I'm thinking about um, – I mean, the idea for me would be to make all the beanies by myself Mm -hmm. because then that is why people want to buy my beanies because I met them, right? But then I thought, what if I found a group of five to ten women we had like a tea party and just had conversations and crochet.
0: You (laughs) should definitely do that.
1: Yeah, and so I'm thinking about, you know, like maybe, um, I don't know, getting like a flyer and, uh, you know, putting it out and say, hey, I am um, looking for uh, five to 10 women who would love to, uh, like do crocheting with me and we can just conversations and stuff and maybe a little compensation. I think it would be fun.
0: Yeah. Now you're, cre- now you're creating jobs. So yeah. You're doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and
1: getting to hang out with other women who love crocheting. I think that would be really fun. Now, whether that will happen or not will be, uh, will be a different story. Maybe I'll just find me, uh, you know, like some grandmas and where I can just <laughs> hang out with them and let them tell me stories and stuff because I enjoy that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, look, I it's it seems so crazy to me going back to our conversation on Thursday before the race, yeah. um, like all the things that you said. And I had Chris, the guy who did the video, like, clip out that last piece that you talked about, like, um, inspiring the girls in your village that you grew up in and that their dreams are valid. Like it's, it's almost like you were just like speaking what you did two days later into existence.
1: It is incredible. And I'm telling you, uh, Lindsay, like I have been getting so many messages of people saying they were super inspired. And this morning, a couple uh, uh, things this morning. This morning, my coach sent me a message saying, um, like, I think his niece uh, ran two laps, you know? Mm. Like, I think she she couldn't run more than that because she has other uh, things, uh, issues. But anyway, I'm not going to get into detail of that. But she said she ran two laps, and she texted her mom and she said, "I, I know you're going to be so proud of me, mom. You know why? Because I just ran two laps. Because if Alfin can do can do it. I can do it too. Oh. And then uh, I got a message from Etsy from my eighth grader saying she's so inspired by what by what I've done. And um, she said she's she runs a uh, cross country. I believe, uh, yeah, she runs cross country, and she's only run four kilometers. Uh, she hasn't made it out to twenty six, and she said she was super inspired, and she wanted a beanie. And it's stories like that, Lindsay, that makes me just. You know, it makes me very happy. It makes my heart full because it really is nice to know that what you're doing, your passion is inspiring the next generation. And that is what I am all for. I am all for inspiring the next generation through this running. You know, and now that I have the platform to do that, I am just so grateful. You know, like I went from having 6,000 uh, Instagram followers to offer 17,000 and you know like that is really good like people get a lot more people get to hear my story Mm -hmm. and hopefully a lot more people get inspired along the way and this is what I've all been about
0: you know you you were so relaxed when we talked on Thursday you think so (laughs) I do did you feel relaxed
1: I think I was, but then after that, I tried to go get some food, or was it up, Yeah, after that, I tried to get, go get some food, and I think I was getting pretty nervous. And um, yeah, it just didn't, after that, things just didn't go very, very well. Like I do expect it, though. But yeah, I guess I was relaxed. I did enjoy that uh, conversation, though, because it was really fun, you know, to hear my teammates talk about me and how i complain been <laughs> at practice. And it was just a lot of fun. Like I loved it, I, I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you guys were really fun together. It was you guys <laughs> yeah. kind of pick on each other a little bit and joke around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by things didn't go your way? Did Friday Was Friday a stressful day? Um. Well,
1: not necessarily any more stressful than the other days or the other races, pre-race days that I've had. But like, I think that when I left that interview or, or the podcast with you, you know, like, um, I started feeling, uh, some tightness on my quad mm. and I gave it, uh, I, I had, I massaged it and it got super painful and it got worse. Like it didn't get any better. And even like two days after the race, I still felt the pain. And then that, uh, like, uh, the next day my shin started hurting. And then the morning of the race, I woke up and my hip was, uh, was hurting too. And these were all on my right side. So It definitely wasn't what I I had, like, I hadn't planned that going in. Like, I thought I was going to go in. And since I was feeling great, uh, I thought that I was going to feel just so good that I wasn't going to feel any nickel and pain. But that was not the case. And um, by Saturday morning, I was really freaking out. I thought this, like, I thought my body was breaking down on me. And I just was not very happy on Friday morning. I mean, on Saturday morning before the race.
0: Wow. Nobody would have known.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I try to hide it, but I don't think I hid it very well because I... When I came um, down from the elevators to meet the rest of the team to walk to the start line, Ben Rosario looked at me and she, he's like, Alfin smile." I think I, I just had a stone face or something. Yeah, that's not and that's not usually me. Usually, mm-hmm. I'm the one come, who comes in and be like, "Hi, everyone. This is we are living our best lives and this is the best opportunity we have." No, that was not last week. Last week, I just came down and I didn't even want to talk to anyone. I was just you know, in my own world and moody and stuff. Yeah.
0: Who was it that told you to smile?
1: Uh, ben Rosario, my oh, ben. coach. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> he okay. Just, I think he just, he, one look at me, he was like, uh-oh, this is not normal. You know, like this is not the me that he knows. And in the past, he said that a smiling Alfino, a cheerful Alfino, is a dangerous Alfino. <laughs> so for him, for him to see me not smiling or not being cheerful, I think he was kind of worried a little bit.
0: Yeah, there's a picture of you at the start line. You've probably seen it. You're, like, standing with your hands on your hips just kind of, like, gazing out. I saw Uh someone say, like, it's proof that power poses work or something like that. (laughs) Oh, maybe. Do you know what picture uh, it is? It's so good. You look so fierce. Yeah.
1: I don't think I, I, I've i seen that picture. No, I have not. Okay, well, I'll send it to you.
0: I don't know Twister. where I saw it. Someone, someone <laughs> tweeted it or something, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you look like you're about to destroy <laughs> the rest of the field, which you did, and I mean that in the uh, nicest way possible.
1: Yeah, little did anyone know that I was just, you know, trying to, like, maintain my composure and, you know, fake until you make it, you know, like everything mm. is good and that I'm not worried and stuff, you know.
0: Okay, so I want to hear about the race because we see, you know, you guys were in a pack for a very long time. And so um, the last I saw you was mile 17 and then, you know, the finish. We were tracking you guys, so we knew that you and Molly Seidel had broken away. But I would love to hear about those moves and how you were feeling and when you kind of got into your rhythm considering you didn't feel great at the start.
1: So, yeah. So at the start, I didn't feel great. But when actually we were warming up, I wasn't like it wasn't like I was in a lot of pain. And first of all, I took two ibuprofens on Friday night and then I woke up on Saturday morning and I still had that pain in my cord. And on Saturday morning, I took three, I think about two hours before the rest, I took three ibuprofens. I asked my boyfriend, Tim, who is a physician assistant, I said, OK, what is the biggest amount of ibuprofen you know and within how many hours that one can take you know without it being too much he said three is okay I'm like okay cool because I'm gonna take three usually I take only two so I took three and maybe that really suppressed my pain for a long time Um,
0: yeah but
1: once the yeah once the race went off um you know it wasn't like um I didn't think about that anymore I mean occasionally I will feel um you know, the tightness, I would think about it, but it didn't really bother me. And I was pretty comfortable most of the way. Bye. Yeah, I was really comfortable, like, um, and I was trying to tuck in, but I didn't tuck in, like, I as much as I had planned. And so, um, you know, like, it wasn't until that last loop, and of course I knew that, like, on the last loop that it was the time, it was the loop that, you know, the, the moves were going to be made. And I did get worried, you know, just, like, even though... We didn't run. We didn't start too fast, but like with 16 miles, we—I mean—we are 16 miles in there. Still, so many people. Like, what so was many. it, nine or ten of us? And I'm thinking, like, I mean, I know it's not at really fast pace, but it's also not very slow considering the conditions and um and and the course. And so I was beginning to get worried. And then we get to right around 20 miles, I believe, and. We had been, like, climbing gradually and increasing the pace because the wind was on our back, I believe, at that point. And then, like, so the, the loop the loop one and loop two, I was just, you know, like, whenever we were going uphill, I would follow whoever was leading. And most of that lot of tweet was leading, going mm-hmm. uphill. And, um, you know, like, she wasn't, like, slowing down. And so I, we would end up, like, kind of, like, in a string, like, in a strong line. And... Um, on that last loop, uh, Molly Seidel was a front and I just did what I had been doing, you know, previously on the, the first two loops and I just followed her. And then I looked back like, you know, I, I don't remember after like how many seconds and we had separated. Mm. And the moment I saw that, Lindsay, I'm telling you, I saw a glimpse of hope mm. and because I was right behind her. I just went shoulder to shoulder with her. And I whispered to her. And I said, Molly, let's go. And I think we picked it up significantly. And um, at that point, uh, you know, um, Sally Kipieko was not too far from us. Like, she was probably like a couple seconds behind, a couple steps behind. And then the rest, there was no pack anymore. You know, we were kind of strong. But I think the Laura Tweet and um, now that I remember or not that I think about it, Laura Tweet and... Uh, and Desi Linden were kind of running side by side, like behind Sally. And so I think that when I went on um, Molly's shoulder and we just ran fast, and that mile, I believe, ended up being a 517 mile. And that was the fastest mile of the race. Mm. And everyone else, I believe, ran, you know, slower than that. And we just kept, you know, like, grinding. The next mile, I believe, was a little harder. and But we still, like, continued to, like, Gain, um, we gain ground on the rest of the field because we were walking together, and we walked together until about probably twenty-four and a half miles, and that was when I decided that okay, I was going to give myself a chance to win. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, because I had ran, I ran with Marley Seidel um, in Houston half. And she just went by me so fast, you know, like within the last, I believe the last half mile. And so I know that she has a really good kick and she can finish strong. And if I was going to try to win that race, my only chance was to do it maybe a mile or a mile and a half out, like to stop, you know, encouraging Molly to like continue to run Mm -hmm. with me and just, and just go for it because then, you know, like that was my only chance or at least that's what I told myself. And Really, looking at the results, only eight seconds difference, I I believe that uh, that was a good move I made.
0: Yeah. What mile was that that you left, Molly? I think that the move itself happened
1: uh, around mile 25.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So you were really together. Yeah. We were together for a long time. I mean, like, with a course like Atlanta, the last four miles were, like, really, really hard. It was just, you know, like, uphill, and really, the last two miles were pretty tough, And if you are going to, if you are going to succeed in that course, you needed to work with someone. Mm. And so when Molly and I worked together and we knew that, uh, I mean, we, we kind of knew that we were going to make the team because we, we gained a lot of ground. It was only, um, you know, it only made sense that we worked together for as long as possible. And I also knew that she hadn't run a marathon before Mm -hmm. and telling you, Lindsay, my first marathon I was doing really, really well. I was winning. There was a time that I was leading by over a minute. And then the last two and a half mile, I just crashed. I crashed so badly. And I didn't want that to happen for her, you know, especially now that she had worked so hard and uh, we had worked together to get ourselves stuff for us. I wanted to be with her for as long as possible and encouraging her until, you know, like the point where it was like, <laughs> okay, now it is time to make a move. And I think she's safe, you know?
0: Yeah. Now I want to win this thing.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know you had trained together a couple times, but, like, would it have been any different if it would have been someone else? And obviously, if it would have been Kellen or Steph, did it make a difference?
1: I mean, I don't know if it would have been that much different. I think that if he had, it had been one of my teammates or even someone else like Sarah Hall or Molly or, or, or any bus, anyone, right? I think that if we had met that move together, Mm. I probably would have just felt the same way. And, you know, because like I I just wanted to work together. But now if he had been one of my teammates, of course, I would have known, you know, like their strengths and their weaknesses. And somebody like Stephanie, for instance, if you want to win a race, you don't go with Stephanie until like 400 minutes. <laughs> Stephanie can dig deep. I, that woman, she's incredible. I don't know how she does it. She can dig deep and she will hunt you down. I do not want to have us like Stephanie and Sarah Hall. I do not want to have any of those women, you know, anywhere close to me with 400 meters to go because I think chances are I might actually lose the race. Now, Kellen, on the other hand, um, she does have a kick, but I don't know. Like I've never raced Kellen uh, that many times. I feel I've raced Stephanie more than Kellen. And so, um, you know, I kind of feel like I know the strength and the weaknesses, but I probably, maybe we would have done what they did in Arizona, like finish together if he was mm. one of my teammates, mm-hmm. probably, but maybe not. I mean, I, I don't think there was a chance that we would have like crossed the finish line together and both, you know, like had a, like, you know, the win, the win together. So I think that we probably would have still made a choice, but we would have definitely worked together for as long as possible.
0: Yeah. So uh I had a couple of people saying, What were her and Molly talking about? So was it basically just you saying, Let's go? Did did you guys have any yes. other more back and forth? No,
1: all? no, no. Well, it was more like, uh, let's go, Molly, and then you can do this, you know. I was probably the one talking the doing the talking a lot more and of course because I talk a lot to begin with. <laughs> and I and you know, I was also feeling strong and good and I wanted her to know that I was there for her and that I was there to support her for as long as possible. Because I know that, you know, if you're raising someone and you know that this person is here to help you reach your goal and they're not trying to break you, chances are you will actually persevere more. Like if you feel the pain, you feel like, okay, at least they're not trying to break me. You know, we are working together. And I definitely wanted her to feel that. And um you know, I think she did. And at some point, she told me, she's like, I'm okay because, like, we would be running. And if I didn't, if she wasn't on my shoulder, I would be worried that maybe, you know, like she was uh, beginning to feel too much pain. And then I'd be like, come on, Molly. And then, you know, at one point, she's like, I'm okay. I'm like, okay, great. She's got this.
0: Wow. Do you think that this will kind of like stamp a bond between you guys forever? Oh, absolutely. You know,
1: um, definitely like, Sports is not just about beating each other. I think there is a time and place for that, and for last weekend, especially in that critical part of the race, it made sense for me and Molly to work together. Mm. And definitely, it's like you know, through doing that, we were able to uh, go one-two, and now we get to go to the Olympics together. And that, I think, that's something that you can never um. You could never find that somewhere else, right? Like, that's something that she will always remember, and I will always remember how my, you know, uh, my Olympic trials went and how I worked with Molly Seidel and how we were able to, uh, you know, to get to the finish line safely.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I'm interested to hear about about, uh, Sally getting third place too, and is that meaningful to you because you guys both – you know, are from Kenya and you're both American citizens now and living out this like American dream. Have you talked to Sally?
1: I have not had a chance to speak to Sally about
0: that. But I do
1: think, you know, like I think for Sally and I, it's just the fact that, you know, at least for me anyway, I can't really speak sure. for Sally, but it it makes me feel like it really is good because you feel like you are here, you work very, very hard, and, you, you, you know, you're rewarded. Like, you get to go to the trials, you've worked your butt off. Sally said that she had trouble, you know, coming back from uh, after she had a baby, and she worked, you know, she worked really, really hard to get to where she is. And then she ran the trials, and she met the team. It's like her hard work. She didn't give up. And so she was rewarded with an Olympic sport. Whereas, like, in other places, like, for example, even my native country, Kenya. You know, you don't have that opportunity because, like, there's no trials, you know, so there's no head-to-head competition. It's just, it's different selection. And so I feel like it just, for me, it just makes me realize just how much of a privilege I have um, to be a part of a country that, um, you know, lets you shine when you work hard and your hard work is rewarded. And so, yeah, I'm sure Sally feels the same way.
0: Tell me this, what was the hardest part of that race?
1: <laughs> what was the hardest part? Well, the hardest part was seriously, you're gonna think the, like that I'm crazy, but the okay. hardest part was once I made my move away from Hollyside Dell, it was hard because I think I was working a lot harder. And usually when I start working harder or I try to work harder, my, I lose my form and I start like, you know, running really weird, you know, which I don't have a good form to begin with. And I start feeling the pain. And so mile 25 to 26 was very hard. That was the hardest part of that course for me.
0: And then what, what are any, what's anything that you learned from the race that you'll take with you to Tokyo?
1: I think, um, you know, staying present is number one. Number two, like, you know, being, well, it still goes to being present, but, like, being there at a critical time and and, and knowing when a move is made, knowing what to do. Because had I hesitated to go with Molly Seidel, she probably wouldn't have gone, and therefore we still would have had a pack, and maybe the results would have been different. But when I saw that she was going, I, I just followed her, And we were able to break away from everyone else and we made our move. And this is what got us to the, you know, got us to make the Olympic team. And so I think my lesson is, first of all, trust yourself, trust your training. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about, you know, your chances or your training or how their training is going. Trust yourself, go to that risk and believe in what you've done and pay attention to every move that is being made.
0: Were there any surprises or anything that you didn't expect that happened in the race?
1: I mean, I I think that even though, you know, we had 12 to 15 women that were very strong, I didn't really think that we were going to have a big pack like that for most of the race. I thought maybe the first loop there was going, like all of us were going to be together. But then I thought maybe by the second loop, you know, like some people were beginning, were going to begin to feel the effects of that uh, of the course. And, uh, you know, the pack was going to be dwindled down to maybe like five or seven, but that was, that definitely didn't happen. Um, yeah. And then like, you know, I guess I didn't really expect to see, um, you know, like Molly and I leading the race. I, I never actually, I didn't like think, I mean, I, I was sure about myself at least you know, like more than 50% sure of myself making the team. But I just didn't know who else will be will be strong and when and stuff. So those are some of the surprises, the the fact that Molly and I were the aggressors and uh, we ended up uh, like finishing, I guess, finishing by over a minute was really surprising to me. Like when we crossed the finish line, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, I know that we work together, but how did we get so far away from everyone else? You know, like that was a surprise to me for sure.
0: Yeah, it was crazy watching it too. Um, just as a spectator to see that big group and you know when you guys came around the third time when we saw you at 17 I'm like oh my gosh they're still all together
1: yeah I want it was definitely interesting
0: yeah Yeah. I want to hear about you mentioned uh on Twitter that Meb came to your room the night before and gave you some advice so I want to hear about that what did he tell you
1: (laughs) Basically, he just uh, encouraged me, told me that he believed in me and that I should believe in myself and what I have done and that because the day uh, was going to be cooler, he told me to stretch and stay in my room for as long as possible and do all my stretches and, you know, relax. And that when I did go out there, you know, just go do my best. That's all I got to do. And then, like, he told, I I think he, he didn't necessarily tell me that I was going to win, but he just asked me rhetorically, like, how many people do you think, uh, believe that you can win the race? And I was like, Hmm, maybe a few. And then he was like, yeah, use that, you know, use that as motivation. And then like, um, later on. And of course I asked him, I said, Mip, how did you do this? How were you able to make uh, multiple Olympic teams and be calm and all that and depression and everything. And so, you know, he's like, I just did, you know, what I had been doing, like, you don't have to go do anything special. Just go do what you've done,
0: mm.
1: and what you've done most of the time is good enough to get you to the podium. And sure enough, that happened. And then uh, when we ran into him later, um, you know, he, we all had a group hug. It was me, uh, Tim, my boyfriend, uh, Liam, who works with Howie Management, and my Howie. Um, and so we all had a, a group hug. And Map was like, "Look, I'm like, I'm like, what." And he's like, the Olympic ring, you know, the five of us mm. hugging, we are forming the Olympic ring. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this is good. You know, like, I think it was just interesting to to see that, like, he believed in me and, oh, you know, like, he definitely
0: made me feel like I could do it. That is so cool.
1: It's really cool. Yeah.
0: I just have this, like, resounding theme on this podcast that I hear people saying, when someone like speaks it into them, they just believe it so much more.
1: Yes, and and I I do believe that, Lindsay, because even on my way to Atlanta, um, in Phoenix Airport, uh, I ran into my uh, my former college coach, and he asked me. He said, "This is my former coach from Iowa State," um, and he asked me, he's like. Are you uh, kind of like disappointed that uh, the media is not talking about you as a threat? Mm. And then uh, I was like, hey, well, I don't know. And then he's like, well, I was talking to my uh, my colleagues and I was telling them that Alfin is very strong and that it's kind of crazy that no one is talking about her. And he told me he said, go give them hell,
0: uh-huh. you know.
1: I took a picture with him and then I sent it to his wife and I'm like, "Yay! guess what? I just ran into at the airport, uh, my former coach, Corey, and he told me to go give them hell. And now Corey is also coach for former coach for Emma Bates in Boise, Idaho, because um, after he left Iowa State, he uh, went to Boise and he still coaches at Boise now. So they were going to conference. And I remember in my flight to Atlanta, I was thinking about that, and I was like, I am going to go give them hell. If my coach from 10 years ago still believes in me, I am going to believe in myself, too. And that really fired me up. And then uh, Larry, who works with George Cox, um, one of, a good friend of mine, uh, he pulled me aside two days before the dress, and he said, I don't always sleep well. And even when I do sleep, I don't dream much, but I dream that you won the race. Mm. And then my teammate, uh, Scott Smith, actually, my favorite Scott. Just putting that out there that Scott Smith is my favorite Scott in the team because we have Scott Smith and Scott Farber. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but um, like earlier on, like, uh, you know, like maybe about two or three weeks before uh, the trials, he came to me and he said, I had a dream. I had a dream that you met the team. Wearing our trainers, which are the Clifton's. I <laughs> thought, this is really cool. So there were a few people who were like telling me that they were having dreams about me making the team or winning and all these little things. I think I'm not usually a superstitious person, but I took all of them to mean that, okay, this is just, uh, you know, it means that, you know, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. And I, I, I never like gave myself a chance to think about the alternatives. So, oh, no, maybe these are just dreams, you know, so.
0: Wow, that's so cool! I know on Thursday when we talked, you were still finishing the beanie, the American flag beanie.
1: <laughs> yes, I ended up finishing it that night. And actually, I was at that point I was making a headband because I already had a beanie. Oh yeah. I, Yes, I had made myself a beanie uh, when I was in Flagstaff. And I made a, a really lighter one, different yarn from what I usually use for the beanies that I sell to my customers. And uh, But then when I saw the weather, you know, it was going to be in the high 40s. I thought, well, maybe I should also have a headband, you know, for backup. But I ended up using the beanie.
0: Oh, see, I was thinking you were making the headband to wear during the race. That was the plan. Okay. I and
1: also, I also had a beanie for backup just in case it was way cool and then I I could wear a beanie or I could wear uh, a
0: headband okay yeah
1: yeah so I ended up decided I decided to wear the beanie uh, in the end
0: yeah okay okay was it hard at all to manage your emotions after the race celebrating and also like knowing that Kellen and Steph had a disappointment but they were also like so over the moon for you
1: It definitely was. It's like, Lindsay, like, for one, uh, on, on the other hand, you, like, on one side, you are very happy. You just won, and you just met the Olympic team, and you just, you know, won the biggest race of your life so far. And then on the other hand, you have these two incredible women whom you've been training with for, like, three and a half months, and you've developed this special friendship, kind of like sisterhood. And they didn't do the same and they didn't make the team and you know that they're disappointed. So it's like, what is the medium? Like, wh- what is appropriate to say and what is not appropriate? So it definitely was hard, you know, like, and I remember even reading. Um, I and, and I want to be like, I want to be somebody who is uh, sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading, I read uh, this Linden's uh, recap, I guess, of the race so to speak. And she was talking about like, you know, when we were in the drug testing, there was five of us, you know, there was the three of us who met the team and then uh, it was her. And then there was Laura Tweed. And of course, you know, like if you run into someone, you know, and they tell you congratulations, you, you're bound to be excited. But then how do you, uh, how do you react to these other women who didn't make the team? So that was really hard. And one of the things that I actually did was, I mean, I was just talking to Laura Tweed uh, at the drug testing room, and she's like, oh, I wish I had gotten your beanie. And, of course, I was wearing the beanie that I had uh, once I crossed the finish line, I grabbed from team. And then she's she's like, I should have gotten your beanie. And I'm like, okay, you know what, Laura, here you go. So I gave the beanie that I was wearing, I gave it to Laura to it. So that was really cool. But, like, yeah, definitely, it was, um, it's really hard to manage that. Like, it's hard to be happy for yourself. And Then be sad for your teammates, but then I came back and I watched their interviews that they did, right? Mm-hmm. And I could not believe how amazing these women are. Like, I don't, they handled it so well. I am not sure if I would have handled it that way. Um, like they were talking really sweet about me, and they had just, you know, had their, their biggest heartbreak. Stephanie was only like mm-hmm. 19 20 seconds away from making the team, and she was actually closing in. She was. I, she just, she just ran out of distance, like... Totally. I, I, yeah, like, once I saw that, I was like, I wish we could redo all of this, and maybe not my part of the race, but maybe her part of the race. Um, but, like, they were speaking so highly of me, and even when we saw them after, like, you know, during the um, the award ceremony, they were just, you know, like... you could, I mean, you could see that they're disappointed, but at the same time, you know, they were very happy for me, and I don't know if the roles were reversed. I'm not sure if I have... Um, what it takes to be that person, you know, because like I remember even going to the race thinking to myself, like if I don't make this team, I don't know how I can survive. I mean, that's dramatic to say, <laughs> but like, yeah, I know. you know, like the last time that um making a team meant so much to me was back in 2005 when I was going to um the trials for the Kenyan cross country for the juniors. And I remember on our trip there, I remember thinking like, I have to make this team like, I don't see myself coming home without having met the team. And I felt exactly the same way for this one. And I guess, of course, a lot of times you you have those kinds of feelings, but then if things don't go well, you do figure out a way to survive. I'm sure I would have, but I just remember thinking that I just don't know how I can come home without making the team. And so putting myself in their shoe, I just don't know how they managed it. You know, it, it's incredible. It, it takes a lot of um, a lot of strength,
0: really. I listened to Kellen on the Rambling Runner podcast do a follow up. And yeah, the way she talked about it, she was like, she was saying she was just as happy for you. And it was, it was pretty cool to hear. I wonder though, for you, why do you think this race felt so do or die as far as like how you said it compared it to 2005? That's a big gap in time.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, In 2016, um, I ran the trials for the truck. I was very, very fit. I went to the race. I mean, there were some other situations that happened, unfortunate things that happened. And, you know, the race didn't go as I I had planned. And uh, after that race, I remember just feeling awful. And I think I might have been depressed for a couple of weeks. Um, And for this one, it just felt like the right timing for me, like, my marathoning was, you know, picking up and I felt like I was, you know, like every marathon that I was running, I was getting better. And the course suited me very well because, you know, it was hilly, it was hard. And so therefore it was anyone's race. And I had trained really well and training had gone exceptionally well. And I was healthy, you know, like I wasn't, um, I I didn't miss any practice. I didn't miss any workout because I wasn't feeling good. And in in, in January, you know, like I ran, I matched my PR for the half marathon. So everything to me pointed, you know, to like having a good day. And I mean, I'm in a really good place to like in terms of my social life and everything else. Like, It just felt like I was in a really good place all around. And to me, it just felt like I needed to do this. And also I think the other thing was like, I live away from my family. You know, my family lives in Kenya. I haven't seen them for three plus years. My boyfriend lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where I used to live before I moved to Flagstaff. And we both chose to, you know, like do long distance relationship because he has a really good job here. And, you know, his mom lives here too. And, you know, like we, we just decided that it was best for now anyway to just do a long distance relationship. And so the sacrifices that I was making, to be in flagship and to train, it had to pay off. Mm-hmm. And for me, it just felt like I needed to make the best out of it, the most out of it. And also like the last couple of years, you know, like I've had a lot of injuries and I just know that tomorrow is not promised that just like, because I am healthy today, I need to make the most of today because I don't know who knows, maybe next year I'm never going to make it again. And, or, or look at, you know, like, People have, it's not been to people like, you know, Amy Gregg, for instance, she won the trials in 2016. She was in the best shape of her life. And then she went on to like run really well in the Olympics. She went on to run an amazing, a really, really fast PR. And then, you know, like uh, get a medal at the world championships. And then, you know, like her body just didn't come back, you know, when she needed it the most in 2020, her body just didn't respond. So you just never know. And so you have to capitalize on those days that everything feels good and you've done, you know, the practice, the training that you need and everything is good. And so for me, I felt like everything had gone well and therefore I had to capitalize on it. And if I didn't, then I I don't know. I just didn't know what the alternative would be.
0: And tell us what you felt like when you were, you know, you grabbed the American flag. You knew you were making the team, and probably I saw you with six hundred to go. At that point, you probably knew you had Molly too. What did that feel like?
1: It felt really good. But however, I will say this: it felt good. However, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I, I just wasn't. Um, I just wasn't too sure yet that I had it until I was very close to the finish line. Because there have been races where, like. You know i I have felt like I had it, and then somebody passed me, you know, and and you know, like I've ran with Sarah Hall before, and um like about like I remember when I ran the u s championships for the half marathon two years ago, I looked back with a mile to go, and it was a downhill finish, and Sarah Hall was not that far from me, but she wasn't also that close. and I thought I had this, and i, I and I was feeling good, and I still ran really fast that last month. but as soon as I crossed the finish line she was crossing too like I only had it by what, like two or three seconds.
0: Oh wow! And
1: so, and and knowing that Molly Seidel went by me so fast in Houston, I wasn't, you know, like a hundred percent sure that I had it. I just wanted to make sure. Like I still was, like, you know, like I was telling myself to continue to press on, and I just wasn't satisfied yet until I crossed that finish line. Honestly, I think it was when I broke that, I broke that finish line tape. That's when I knew that I had it.
0: You did look fierce, like you looked like you were running for something when you ran <laughs>
1: by. You were you were zoned in. Yes, I had to, you know, because I've made mistakes in the past and it cost me a lot.
0: Did you hear all the screams? Like, did you hear people screaming your name or did you even, could you even, like, focus to hear that?
1: Nope, I did not. I mean, it was loud. It was very, very loud. You just heard loud, loud
0: but not your name? Yes,
1: yes, it was very loud and I did not hear my name. No, I didn't.
0: You know so many people were screaming it, though. You know, I've seen videos.
1: I have seen videos of people screaming and yeah. going crazy. and you didn't and hear I, No, and I, I have cried when i seen these mm-hmm. videos, and I'm like, I cannot believe that me doing the thing that I love the most, the thing that I'm very good at, that is my job, inspires mm-hmm. so many people to scream this way, and, and, and it gives them hope and happiness. It just... I teared I've i cried so many tears this last few days. Yeah, this last week I've cried a lot.
0: <laughs> How about the video in the bar when everybody's screaming your name, chanting? Ala oh Thine. my <laughs> gosh. Um,
1: and I it didn't even get me until I crossed the finish line and they started chanting USA ah. and I just I couldn't I, I couldn't like I just cried. Every time I watch that video and they start chanting USA, it's it's weird, it's, there's some power to that, that just gets me crying. And also this is this is the interesting thing to like, I don't know if you ever watched that race, but like when Luis was presenting us with our medals and, uh, oh no, I don't remember if he was the one who presented that with our medals, but when we did the interview with the, uh, with the um, NBC and then like towards the end of the interview, while the three of us had already spoken, he says, and, and, and I don't remember the specific words, but he says, you know, he congratulates us and tells us that USA is proud and that, you know, that he's proud that we get to represent, um, mm. you know, our country. And in that moment, for some reason, I just get emotional and I cry. I, I don't know why. I can't really put a finger to it. But, yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that, I like, there's some things that when somebody says or when I think about of, I cry and I don't know why. And it's that chanting USA or like Louis saying that, you know, United States of America is proud to, you know, like send us to the Olympics. And it's when they say those things that I just get emotional and I cry.
0: Well, you've sacrificed a lot to do it. I guess. (laughs) I mean, you talking about not seeing your family in so long. And I mean, it's it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah.
0: I mean, I get emotional when I hear you talking about it too. And when I, you hear what you, it it all goes back to what you're saying. Like that, that little girl's dream is valid.
1: Absolutely. It is. It is. And, um, you're living it. (laughs) I'm living it. I am living that dream. I remember in 2016, uh, I watched the trials, right. And I, I watched Shaleen, I mean, I watched Amy cross the finish line. I watched Shaleen, you know, cross the finish line and uh, Daisy. And I remember thinking, like, you know, there's this feeling where you, like, imagine yourself being them and how they will feel. And um, there were moments in, like, on Saturday last week when I was like, holy crap, I actually just did that. Mm. This is so cool. It Now, it felt different. Until I watched myself, I watched the replay of the race and, you know, like, removed myself from, you know, the, like, like, I watched it and I had it on, like, a different perspective, like, as a second person. And, and it was mm. in that moment that I was able to take it in even more, like, just watching myself do this incredible thing.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Last question. How did you celebrate?
1: <laughs> How did I celebrate? Well,
0: first of all, uh, at the... Um,
1: at the uh, ceremony, the medal ceremony, they gave us, um, they gave us whiskey. Oh, I really? <laughs> yeah, I think it's
0: whiskey.
1: So a bottle of whiskey. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it was a bottle of whiskey, and so we, uh, my team and I and our coaches, uh, it took a shot oh, right there, and then. So that was, I guess that was how I celebrated like it, like right after. And then later on, we had an event uh, organized by Hoka and Hoka fans where, you know, like we went in uh, to a, like a bar and we all celebrated and we had some good food and conversations and taking pictures. So yeah, that's how I celebrated it. And um, yeah, it's been fun. And then here uh, in Flagstaff, I went I, I went to a couple of school visits and now I'm back in New Mexico and my boyfriend's friends... Um, uh, like uh they, they they have a party for me next week so I can't wait for that I'm super excited but most of them were watching the race and they were going crazy and they decided to throw a party for me
0: I love that and then lastly let's give Tim a shout out I feel like your relationship is really special and um you know I was really excited to meet him before the race and yeah what do you anything you have to say about Tim and how he supports you
1: I think the team, is, oh gosh, like, I don't even know if I have words. This man is amazing. This Mm. man is incredible. He supports me in ways that I don't think I could do the same way. Like, if the roles were reversed, I don't know if I have what it takes to support him, even like a quarter of what he has. Like, he makes sure that I stretch. He knacks me to stretch, of course, and sometimes that, like, drives me crazy. And I'm like, oh, just stop. And then, like, he makes sure, you know, like, for example, um, you know, he makes sure that I have, you know, the right, uh, like, when I had my stress fracture, like, this man went to Whole Foods and got me, you know, like, bone supplements, you know, like, supplements to strengthen my bones that were expensive. Like the, the the next time I went to buy myself that same supplement, I was like, "Holy crap! You could have gone to you could have gone to Walmart and got me this supplement." You know, like he's spending eighty dollars for like a you know like sixty pills. You know, like he goes like and then like uh, so he's a physician assistant. Um, he bought me like you know um, like for example um, collagen proteins. And I remember one time I was coming home from color uh, uh, from California. And uh, I got home, and I have this package, and I didn't know what it was. And then, like, I opened it, and it was collagen protein. And I just cried, and I called him. And I'm like, you have no idea how much in love I am with you right now. <laughs> he's like, oh, I didn't know all it took for you to, like, cry and tell me that you're in love with me it was a collagen protein. <laughs> <laughs> but he takes such a good care of me, you know. Like, when we go to races, he is giving me massages until his hands are, like, you know, like, like hurting, and I'm still like, like okay, no, this you haven't done this, and you haven't done that. He wakes up during my races, like race morning. He wakes up early in the morning, like at 4 a.m. for you know early races to go get me breakfast. You know, like whenever I'm in Santa Fe, like, um, he would like postpone his workout to go bike with me. And when him and I met, he didn't even know how to pace on the bike but he made sure that he knew the pacing and he will just be in front of me to block the wind and pace me for as long as I can. He just, he does so much for me that honestly, I don't think I would be the person that I am today or as strong as I am, especially living, you know, away from him without his support. I mean, he gives me a hundred percent of his support or 110%. And for that, I am forever grateful. I mean, I, it makes me very happy that I get to share this journey with him. And um, when we got home, uh, he watched the replay. And then I think for the first time, because of how invested he is to this, he just broke down and he called me and he's like, I am crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? He's like, oh, I'm just watching the replay. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I know that he's invested in what I am doing and like, when I was injured, for example, you know, he was the recipient of my attitude, you know. Yeah, and sure. also, like, he was the one, you know, like, trying to encourage me and and reminding me that I needed to be patient. Oh, as a matter of fact, actually, in 2019, when I was recovering from my stress fracture and uh, I was trying to go run, and he was like, no, you cannot run. One day he told me, he said, if you go run and you re-injure myself and you don't run New York City Marathon, you owe me $5,000. <laughs> And so like I mean he's invested so much in me and I am so excited and grateful to have him. So yeah. I could go on and on talking about him, my gosh. No. I'm gonna stop. We're gonna keep him around. Oh, we are definitely gonna keep him around. Yes. We I I will keep him around.
0: Okay, I said last question, but now I just have one more now that i now that you've been raving on Tim. Um, okay. Give me one message to tell Coach Ben.
1: One message for Coach Ben. I want to say thank you, Coach Ben, for believing in me. When I was diagnosed with stress fracture last year, I called Ben and he came over to my place and I asked him, I said, I want you to be 100% honest with me. Do you think I have a chance to make this team? And he said, yes. Mm. That was in June of 2019. It was that belief that he had in me that really uh, you know, propelled me to be patient for one, to be patient. And then when I started rolling at practice, you know, it propelled me all the way. And Ben has a way of making you feel like you are the only person that matters. Like when Ben is talking to you about practice, honestly, you will think that he has nothing else going on in his life. Mm-hmm. And I have talked to my teammates and they feel the same way. So I am so proud of Coach Ben. And Ben cares about you as an individual before he before an athlete he is not the kind of person who is like win at all costs like he wants to make sure that your life all around you know like you well taken care of he lets me come to Santa Fe sometimes he's like hey you need a mental break get away get out of here and so I, I think he's a great coach and you know like I hope that a lot of uh, athletes especially our female athletes I hope that they can find themselves coaches who care about them and their well-being and their careers as much as Ben Rosario cares about us.
0: Wow, you guys have something really special. Um, We definitely do. You do. Congratulations 100 times over.
1: Thank you, Lindsay.
0: Thank you so much for taking – I know you're getting tons of media requests and interview requests, so I just appreciate so much that you've made time out of your day to talk to me.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, we will talk soon. I hope you just keep enjoying that celebration. I will do my best. (laughs) Okay. Bye Alphine. Bye Lindsay. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you Alphine for giving us your time and sharing what that race was like for you. We are cheering for you and so excited to see what you do in Tokyo. Don't forget friends. You can follow Alphine on Instagram. She's Alphine over there. And on Twitter, she is Alphine. T-U-L-I-A-M-U. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine 626 You can find me on Twitter at lindseyhine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well, and you should definitely join that group. Links to everything talked about in the episode will be in the show notes at lindseyhine.com. And don't forget to check out the sponsor for this episode, Defunkify my favorite liquid laundry detergent, odor remover, and stain remover, go to defunkify.com and use the code ANOTHER when you check out for 25% off your first purchase with them. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next time.